This sermon was recorded live at Dallas City Temple SDA Church on March 16th, 2019. When you when you go home and, and you get a call about, about get a testimony, just know that God is moving, that God's already doing it for you. We praise Him, we praise Him, we glorify Him. Amen. Mercy. Whoo, that was good. Oh yes, that was good. Praise team, thank you for letting the Spirit use you. I'm going to ask if you would just take your Bibles, and we're going to go to the book of Mark, chapter 16. We're going to read verses 1 through 8. That's Mark, chapter 16, verses 1 through 8. And I'm going to do something a little bit different this Sabbath as we celebrate uh, Women's History Month. And you'll get it as I go through this sermon. Mark 16, verses 1 through 8. And this is what the Bible says. Saturday evening, I'm reading a New Living Translation. Saturday evening when the Sabbath ended, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome went out and purchased burial spices so that they could anoint Jesus' body. Very early on Sunday morning, just at sunrise, they went to the tomb. On the way, they were asking each other, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb. But as they arrived, they looked up and saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled aside. When they entered the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a white robe sitting on the right side. The women were shocked, but the angel said, don't be alarmed, you are looking for Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He isn't here, he is risen from the dead. Look, this is where they laid his body. Now go, tell his disciples, including Peter, that Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there just as he told you before he died. The women fled from the tomb, trembling and bewildered, and they said nothing to anyone because they were too frightened. With your prayers this afternoon, I simply want to entitle our discussion, I am Mary Salome. This is my story. First things first, I would like to thank your pastor for allowing me to have this opportunity to speak this morning. (laughs) He informed me that this is Women's History Month, and he wanted me to celebrate the sisters in the church. He didn't have to invite me because there are so many other women he, he could have asked. He could have asked Eve, Deborah, Dorcas, Vashti, Esther, Ruth, Naomi, and the list goes on and on. But when he decided to ask little old me, I just knew that I could not say no. Words can't express how appreciative I am to be able to stand in your pulpit today. City Temple, you've been gracious to me from the moment I walked into this church. 
and I am so glad to be here. You see, earlier in my comments, I said that I wanted to speak to you, not preach to you. I said speak because sometimes I think speaking can be more effective than preaching at times. You don't have to yell at people to get the point. Can I get an amen? amen. Well, let me introduce myself. I am Mary. My real name is Simone. Little to nothing is mentioned about me in the Bible. As a matter of fact, my name only pops up in this passage that was read this morning. But I was always on the scene. You see, from the beginning, I was there. I guess that would make me a disciple of Jesus Christ because my name, Salome, means disciple. But let me tell you how it all got started. You see, this Galilean Jesus had just got baptized. He fasted in the wilderness for 40 days. And while he was there, I heard that he was tempted by the devil. The devil had showed him all these wonderful things that he would give him if he would just bow down and worship him. But Jesus was too strong and full of the Holy Ghost. As a matter of fact, the Bible that you read says that he was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness. Now, I said I wasn't going to preach, but I just can't help it. Ain't it good to know that even though when you in the wilderness situation and you are being tested, that the Spirit goes with you. Just know that you are not in the wilderness all alone. I know it might not feel good to know that the Spirit led you there, but you got to understand that when you do God's work, you will have people out there to discourage you. You have got to expect discouragement. When you do God's work, you will have people in the wilderness that will try to deter you, but don't get angry at God. Get angry at the enemy. You see, you must expect discouragement and adversity, but thanks be to God through every trial and every fiery furnace that the God we serve is a very present help in a time of trouble. Don't you go and throw in the towel. Don't you go and get beside yourself and think that it is over. He's the same God that delivered the Hebrew boys, the same God that delivered Daniel, the same God that delivered Israel from bondage, the same God back then is the same God right now. Is there anybody in here who could testify that I've had a few wilderness experiences in 2019, but I know King Jesus is with me, that the Spirit is keeping me, protecting me, and is covering me, and is holding me. And so, well, after that, he started looking for people to be a part of his crew. And he called them two boys, Simon and Andrew, and told them that they could be fishers of men instead of fishermen. Wasn't like they was any good at their job anyway. Heard they were out all night trying to catch fish. And the moment Jesus stepped in their boat, that's when they listened to him. And they caught so much fish, they didn't know what to do with themselves. And after he called Simon and Andrew, he recruited Matthew, the tax collector, Philip, Thaddeus, Bartholomew, James, Simon, Judas, and my sons, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, also known as the sons of Thunder. See, I was glad to know that Jesus called my boys. You see, I'm a single mother raising two of them, and it's not easy. They're not ordinary boys. They're not called the sons of thunder for no reason. They didn't get that nickname just because somebody wanted to give that to them. My boys like to fight. They get into a lot of trouble. If people are fighting, they would be in the midst of it. I was so worried about my boys. I tried to do everything for them, but sometimes they were just so out of control. They like to argue. You know, I worry even so much more now that they are older and I get so scared whenever they are out there by themselves because you do know those Roman officers don't care nothing about my boys. 
Them Roman officers don't care. You know some of them ride around with what's called implicit and unconscious bias. And once they see boys like mine, they are quick to use excessive force. My life is hard. Do you know what it's like every time I go to church with my two boys on my side and no husband? First of all, I got to deal with them church folk looking at me like I'm some hoochie mama that just got to go around making babies. They look at me like I'm one of them mothers that can't control her boys. And then if that's not the folk that I got to deal with, then I got to deal with the people who was always trying to get me married. <laughs> so they say things like, must be something wrong with her. That's why she ain't got no man. Or she can't keep no man. Well, who want to be around them boys? And oops, how can I forget? Then you got those brothers who think I'm church's chicken. All they want are my breast, legs, and thighs. I can't even go to church without all of them looking at me in a seductive way. Not only do I got to raise two boys, but in case you forgot, I'm a woman living in a male-dominated society. So, it's, so, so as you can see, I'm constantly taken advantage of. I can't work because women are not allowed to work. The only thing I'm allowed to do is be someone's property, cook, clean, and wash clothes. So I'm poor. I have no steady source of income. I can't get a job because men don't take me seriously. Men don't see me as someone of value or that I can bring something valuable to the table. You heard about that woman that had the issue of blood? Did you read the part of the text that says that she went to every doctor and her condition got worse? Let me break it down for you. Let me tell you what that means. That means that every doctor she went to kept telling her that we could help you, but they would take little they would take a little they would take the money for her before she had the treatment. And so none of it would work. And so every time she went to a doctor, she got poorer and sicker because that's what they do to women like us. They overcharge us whenever we have to go do a service. I'm a woman, no matter what I do, no matter how hard I try, no matter how, what I say, no matter how I dress, I am subhuman to these men that hold positions. If I get a job, I'm paid less. You see, because women are always held captive to the narrative that men create. We are always painted in a way that is uncharacteristic of who we are. So in turn, some of us just stay quiet and keep on living our lives. And then there are some of us who are forced to be aggressive, extra strong. Because we don't want to take orders or listen to anyone, even if the person who is with us loves us and treat us dearly because we got to do double duty. We got to be mothers and fathers and raise our children. We have to be strong and not show signs of weakness, usually because we become miserable at trying to keep up with the front and it kills us. But if we show any emotion, then the narrative starts all over again. If I cry, I'm dramatic. If I speak up, I'm argumentative. If I'm quiet, I'm stupid. If I want to work, I'm trying to be a man. No matter what I do, I can't win. That's why when Jesus called my boys, I was so happy they are with him. Lord knows I prayed night and day that they would find somebody or something positive to do. So I had to find out who this Jesus guy was. They say he's a prophet, the son of God, the first and the last, the amen, the only begotten son. He who was and is to come. Your pastor calls him the HNIC, the head Nazarene in charge. So I had to know who is this Jesus. So as I'm following Jesus, I'm with my boys. 
and I saw a moment to seize an opportunity. While the other disciples were distracted, I went right up to Jesus and I said this, declare that that my two sons of mine will sit one at your right and one at your left in your kingdom. You see, listen to me now, listen to me. I ain't like those two women in the news who paid millions of dollars to bribe their children to get into Ivy League school. I don't have millions of dollars. I'm just trying to get the best opportunity for my boys. And if you could, you would do the same thing too. But I saw a moment and I went for it. I want my boys to succeed. I'm like any mother that wants greatness for their children. I have goals for them, great goals. I dream crazy about them becoming something. I don't want them to become a statistic or on the front cover of the Jerusalem Daily News. But Jesus taught me something after I asked that question. He responded in such a loving and kind way. He didn't dismiss me or put me down. He simply answered me in such a way that made me realize that he did care about me and my boys. He said these words. He said, you don't even know what you're asking for but right before he finished speaking he said whoever wants to be great among you must become a servant essentially he was teaching all of us that we don't have to compete for greatness in God's kingdom but according to heavenly policy God loves people who help each other out how we serve each other you see I never had looked at it like that because the world we live in says you have to step on people to get to the top you got to stab them in the back use them then lose them you got to be the front in the first line but Jesus says you serve your way to the top help humans become better humans stop complaining about other people stop looking at how other people live Jesus taught me how to stop being petty especially being petty about how other people do God's work. You see, I thought, in comparison to the other disciples, I believe that my boys deserved to be there because they were better than the other disciples. My boys were more special than them. I was petty in my behavior and small in my thoughts that I was using the work of God for my own placement and advancement. Please listen to me. Don't waste your time getting mad at people who are trying to do the work of God. Don't waste your energy trying to make people do God's work the way you do it. You are not God. Take my advice. You won't get anywhere. I had to learn it the hard way. And from that day, I was hooked. I saw the way Jesus acknowledged women throughout his ministry. I saw the way he acknowledged a Syrophoenician woman whose daughter had a demon. And it seemed like Jesus had ignored her and called her a dog. I thought Jesus was wrong for that. He don't need to be calling nobody no dog. But the woman said that even the dogs deserve a crumb that fall from the master's table. And that sister stayed there. She didn't walk away. She stayed there and worshiped him. And Jesus couldn't help. He turned around and healed that woman's daughter. Let me preach for you real quick. I said I wasn't going to, but this is powerful. Because listen what happened. Because God responds to your worship God responds to your worship in adversity God loves when you worship him when things are going well but he loves it when you worship him when your back is against the wall and you are at your wits end if you could dig deep down in your soul and give God worship he deserves watch God work a miracle in your life you gotta learn how to worship God on the mountain and worship him in the valley learn how to worship him in the boat and even when you're sinking in the water, because God says, I inhabit the praises of my people. God loves it when you worship. Yeah. 
And the Bible says that he that she worshiped and he healed her daughter. I also saw the time how he raised the Roman centurion's daughter. Jesus was on his way, and while he was making his way to the little girl's house, a woman touched the hem of his garment. Jesus got more healing in the hem of his garment than Tylenol, aspirin, Aleve, Baylor Medical, Charleston Medical, every hospital in the world. The touch was so powerful that I heard Jesus turn around. He said, who touched me? That Jesus even had to testify that I felt virtue leave my body. But guess what happened, y'all? While Jesus was ministering to her, somebody said that it don't make sense for you to go to the house anymore because the little girl is dead. You see, they figured that just because he stopped, he wouldn't be able to do it. Don't they know that even when Jesus is late, he's always on time? That he got to the house, and when he arrived there, there were people there crying and wailing, acting the fool. And Jesus took two of the disciples and told everybody, you need to get out. I think you got a show called Martin, where Martin used to kick people out of his house. He said, y'all got to get the stepping. Jesus walked up in the house and said, oh, y'all needs to get the stepping. Because in other words, what Jesus was teaching was that you can't be positive when you have negative people around you. In other words, I can't do what I need to do if I got negative people in my space. Some of you, you, some of you, let me preach to you. Some of you got too much hate around you, too much negative space in your store, in your circle. You got to learn how to let some people go. You got to learn how to say goodbye, good riddance, and I'll see you later, but don't, don't come around me. Because you can't move forward with people who are always living backwards. And so... You got to let go of that hurt, let go of that pain, let go of that memory, let go of that sorrow, let God have it. Let God have it. Then I saw how he healed a woman who was crippled for 18 years. On another occasion, he stopped a funeral procession and raised a dead boy to life and gave that little boy back to his mama. When the Samaritan woman was at the well, he empowered her to go preach in her community. Yes, y'all, he empowered a woman to go and preach in her community. I'll say it again. He empowered a woman to go and preach in her community. And the Bible says that the whole community was turned upside down because of this uh, evangelist. When a certain and woman was caught in adultery they brought her to the temple and put her in front of Jesus Christ and I thought that story was kind of messed up because you can't commit adultery by yourself but they brought the woman before Jesus Christ and check what they try to do they try to trap Jesus you can't trap the man who created freedom he is a freedom fighter and they try to trick him and Jesus was so loving and so kind that he took his finger and he began to write in the sand woes up and looked around and said he that is without sin cast the first stone in other words I dare you to do something to this sister right now the Bible says that they all left. Why? Because Jesus was like that comedian. I be knowing. I be knowing all your sins. And women, we were always the center of all his parables. I learned so much from him. That's why when the government sentenced this innocent man to death, I could not sit back idly. I joined my crew, Mary, his mother, and the other Mary that washed his feet. And we watched him die on the cross. We saw how disfigured he looked. We saw the patches of his hair and beard were missing. We witnessed the blood dripping from his back and the nails in his hands. And all I kept saying is, what did he do that was so wrong? What in the world would have caused people to treat him like that? I mean, I've seen people do worse. The thieves on the cross had did far more worse than him. If Jesus was guilty of anything, it would have been guilty of loving us too much. And that day we all left defeated. 
because the justice system failed us once again. The jury did not convict the real guilty parties, but the guilty parties convicted an innocent man. And now his mother, Mary, was part of what is known the Dead Son's Mother's Club. There's too many of us in there. It's overcrowding. We all sick and tired of being sick and tired. We had gotten to the place where we couldn't take it no more. They kept killing our sons. And what hurts the most is that we have to watch our sons die. It is not like our lives aren't hard enough already. I mean, look at this. This doesn't matter if it's our boys are as holy as Jesus or like to fight like mine. They are not safe in this society. And I know I'm not only speaking about my boys only, but it's the same way for mothers with daughters as well. So many of them go missing and end up dead that they never make the front page and we decided that we weren't going to take this anymore so check what we did we decided we're going to go to the tomb we didn't care about how dangerous it was we didn't care about who was there we didn't care if they were looking for us we didn't care who was going to see us we need to see jesus because unlike the disciples his men who were hiding and scared in the upper room, we said, no, we're going to go see Jesus Christ. And so what we did, we gathered some spices and we got some anointing and we were going to decorate his tomb and anoint him and pay tribute and pay our respects to him. We only walked with spices and oil. And while we were walking there, guess what the other Mary said? Mary said, who going to roll away the stone? I was like, I don't know, but we're going to keep on walking because we sisters and that's what we do. We worry about the problem when we get there. We ain't like them men who got to get together and put together one committee and another committee and a business meeting and a board meeting. No, we're going to figure out one of y'all going to jump on the stone, another one going to put their back on the stone, and we're going to roll that stone away because when sisters make up their mind, we do what we need to do. We have been making up our mind for years. We know how to make something out of nothing. I don't know about you, but can I preach right now? Some of y'all mamas know that when the toothpaste ran out, you ain't gonna buy no new toothpaste. You squeeze that thing, you roll that thing, and you get all that toothpaste. And after you finish squeezing and rolling, you cut the top off that sucker, put your finger in it, put it on your teeth, and scrub your thing. We knew how to make nothing out of something. We are creators. We created gumbo. We took a whole bunch of leftovers in the kitchen and we put it all in one pot, put some Cajun seasoning in that thing, and to all our kids, eat, and yay, we're good to know. We know how to make nothing out of something. We ain't worried about no stone being rolled away. <laughs> ain't nobody got time for that. We gonna find a way. <laughs> because you know, as we were walking there, we kept saying, ain't no stopping us now. We on the move. Yeah, y'all know, how about I know that song? Don't worry, I know everything. And so even though, because a thought of a setback will never hold us back from what we need to do. We are on our way, and would you know that when we got there to our surprise, our discovery that the stone had already been rolled away. Now, you should have said amen right there because that's deep, because that testifies to us that the obstacle that was before us had already been taken care of, that the problem was solved before we even got there, that the good news, church, is that when you set your heart on doing God's work for the master, if God is in it, God will move any instruction that is in front of you so that you could fulfill the mission and the task. 
Somebody ought to start rejoicing right now. Because listen to this, because the stone was rolled away. And that issue, that problem that has set us back has been rolled away and is gone. Don't turn around now. Keep on walking. Keep on trusting. Keep on praying. And let God do what God knows how to do. But this is the other thing about the stone being rolled away. When we got there, we realized that Jesus was not there. So we understand that to mean that the stone wasn't rolled away so that Jesus could get out the tomb, but it was rolled away so that we could get in the tomb and see that he's not there. That's why the text says when we entered the tomb, we entered the tomb. And we saw a young man clothed in white robes sitting on the right side, and we were shocked, scared. But the angel said, don't be alarmed. For the Jesus you looking for, Jesus of Nazareth was crucified. He is not there. He is risen from the dead. Look at where they laid his body. Now go tell them scared disciples, including Peter, that Jesus has gone ahead of you. And I ain't even going to lie. We were scared. And even though we had heard him say many times that no man will take his life, that he will lay it down himself. He told us about rising up on the third day, but to see it was a totally different thing. Let me tell you, City Temple Church, he is risen, he is alive, and he is coming back again. The angel told us to tell the good news, and we went everywhere, and we told them that God is alive and that he's coming back again. And so before I take my seat, I'm going to tell y'all sisters a few things that I think you need to know. That number one, society does not determine your worth. God sees you as his faithful creation. You matter regardless of your position in life. The Samaritan woman at the well must have thought that Jesus was out of his mind when he started talking to her. She was G, was Jewish, and she was not. Society does not determine your worth. Number two, you were created for a purpose and on purpose. Just know that God can use you no matter where you are. Number three is grace was meant for you too. The same grace God gives to them is the same grace God gives to you. Don't let nobody tell you that you are outside of God's plan. Number four, don't be afraid to persist in prayer. Stay on your knees. Pray to God. Lift them up. Be proud that you have a God that listens to you. And number five, you can't juggle everything. Learn how to give some things over to God. Learn how to give some things over to your husband. Let him help you out sometimes around the house. You raising boys in your house and girls in your house, give them some chores to do. Tell them you ain't gonna sit up in here and watch BET and MTV and you don't even know your ABCs. You need to get up and get a job and go get something. Learn how to make up your bed. Learn how to sort some clothes. You don't wash whites with blacks. I believe in discrimination. Separate them clothes right now. Give them some, some chores to do. You don't got to do everything by yourself. And for every sister up in here, know that you are God's wonderful creation, that you are somebody, that you are beautiful. I think I might just take my time and preach the closing of this sermon. I'm a woman made by God. I am beautifully and fearfully, wonderfully made, and I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ. I'm a preacher of his righteousness. Do I have any sisters out there who could testify that I'm glad God made me a woman? I'm glad God gave me hips, lips, and fingertips. I'm an African-American woman. I'm a Latina no woman. I'm a Caucasian woman. No matter who I am, I am a child of God and I deserve man's respect. I'm a woman. And so thank you, Pastor Kalasar. 
I appreciate you letting me preach. You can take over now. Amen. Mary Salome was a disciple of Jesus Christ. She isn't mentioned much in the Bible, but she did play an important role in salvation. And I want all my women in here to know, young and old, that you play an important part in the fabric of our society as well as in the preaching and the teaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, first of all, we need to acknowledge this as men. None of us would be here if it wasn't for a woman. Somebody carried you in there. Unless you are a robot or you fell out the sky. Ain't nothing. Brothers, I mean, none of y'all are Jesus, so amen to that. And even Jesus was carried by the woman. But let me tell you, somebody, whether it was nine months or maybe less than nine months, you were in somebody's stomach. And for a lot of us in here, too, you can play softly. Thank you, Jamal. A lot of us in here, too, we need to understand that it was a grandmother, it was a mother, or it was an auntie that introduced us to Jesus Christ. That brought us into this church, and that's why we are still here today. And a lot of us didn't grow up with our dads. Some of us know our dads, and we don't see our dads. And God, praise be to God, to the dads who are doing something. Say amen. amen. But as we move towards a better church, a better society, we have to start celebrating our women. And we got to hold these public figures. It's particularly, and I'm going to say it's particularly to our rappers that objectify our sisters in their videos. Nobody else, nobody else demeans our women like we do. And so we got to start seeing the respect of these queens that are before us. And when it comes time to defend our women, we got to defend, because this is what, and now you can correct me if I'm wrong, so I'm speaking off the top of my head. I believe that every woman wants this, security. They want to know that the man I'm married to or that the person that I'm with is I'm going to be safe when I'm with them. That's all they need is security. Security in your feelings, security in knowing that when you walk out that house, you're going to stay faithful and you're going to come back home and treat me like the queen that I am. Now, sisters, we need support too. We need your help. We need your help. We, we need you to encourage us because it ain't easy out there in the world. Because whenever we go out there and we boxing in the ring of life, we need to be able to come back into our corner and to say, hear our wives say, good job, well done, keep on fighting. We need that. We need affirmation. When I do the men's sermon, I'm going to do that. But right now, our sisters need affirmation as well. And so every now and then, I'm going to let you in my house real quick, all right? I'm going to let y'all in my house real quick. And I see this usually when I do weddings or when I do uh, sermons, I do this. When my wife is walking into the house or when she's leaving, there are times where I just stand back and I just start clapping. <laughs> I just start applauding. I just start, I just start giving her a standing ovation. 
Because I'm like, that's me right there. Amen. I know it. I did it this morning. Praise God. Amen. But, but let's remember our sisters. And so I saw the praise team came up and they have a song that they're going to sing. It's an appeal song. So we're going to make an appeal right now. So praise team, you can start singing. And to the women in here, I know that we came down to the altar earlier, but I want to uh, specifically call all the sisters in the church who are having a hard time. Some of you feel like Mary. You're raising children by yourself. And you could use a little help every now and then. And so I'm, some of you are in a, in, a, in, a, um, in a relationship, and that relationship is not going the way that you would like it to. So I'm going to ask that you come down right now. And some of you are got everything going and everything is moving for you, but you need more Jesus in your life to know that I am God's daughter. And so as the praise team starts singing, sisters, would you rise up and would you come on down to this altar so that we could have some girl power, some girl magic, some girl strength. There we go. Come on, sisters. The Father's arms are open wide. Yeah. Forgiveness. Let me tell you something. We wouldn't be here without you. You all financed the mission. It was women that followed Jesus and gave their offerings and followed the apostles and offered and gave money towards it. That we couldn't preach this gospel with it. That the church would not stand if it's not for you women. Wow. 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 My God. My God. My God. All right, I'm about to pray, but before I pray, I wish all of you could just turn around and look at how empty the church is. Now, now look at this. Let me tell you something. The doors of this church, the doors of this denomination stay open because of you. If all of you stopped paying tithe and offering, these doors would have to close. You know, I want you to realize how, how powerful that is. I want you to really discover that, how, how much strength you all have and how important you are to the advancement of the gospel. And it's throughout the Bible, when you read it, it was women that financed the mission of the apostles and the disciples. It wasn't men. It was women that financed this movement. And it is a shame that we do not hear your voices as clearly as we need to. And so thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Give yourself a round of applause. I know you hold the hands, but give yourself a round of applause. Wow. Wow. Let's pray. Let's pray. As you grab the hand again against you. God Almighty, I thank you for girl power. I thank you for all of this strength that's before this altar right now. I thank you for all this beauty, all of these roses that are here. And as we celebrate our women, as we acknowledge our sisters, as we, as, we, as, we, as we behold their beauty and see them, God, may we not only see them, may we hear them too. May they, Father, claim their rightful place in the house of God. And may they also proclaim their voices to be heard so that, God, that we do not become chauvinistic or sexist in our theology, 
that we leave them out of so many important things. God, I pray for the mothers that are represented here, mothers that are raising boys in this country, mothers that are raising daughters in this country. I pray, God, for the wives that are standing here, wives who are, some of them feel neglected, feel some of them feel like they are just there to wash, cook, and clean. I pray, God, that you would put a spirit of love and a spirit of, 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 of remembrance, of joy within their hearts to know that you are loved by them. And Father, I pray that the Holy Spirit would also encompass their husbands as well. And even if they are not with their husbands, that the father of their children would respect them as well. And Father, I pray for the daughters that are here. The daughters who are lying sick and who are crying, who are depressed, who are dealing with anxieties of their own. I pray, God, that you may move into their situations and that you would give them strength to let them know that the person in the mirror, that who they see is not what you see that you see beauty, that you see loveliness, that you see your creation, that in spite of everything, that you put a purpose in them. That's why they're here today. And so as they may think that they are ugly or they may think that they are not good enough, or they, as they compare themselves to others, I pray, God, that they would only look to you and look to you alone and that they would find joy in your word joy in knowing that you do care about women, that you do love them, and that you have a plan for their lives. And so, God, from the youngest all the way up to the oldest, may they wear their crowns proudly. May they walk around proudly and boldly and confident in knowing that they serve a God.